Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. We yeah, two years ago, yes. We had to we had to skip and but uh, we picked it back up. So nine years of this, and he's been coming from the very beginning and has blessed us every single time. And uh, we know that we're going to be blessed again tonight. So Brother Kilman, come take your liberty. Praise the Lord, everybody. Wow, man, what a great time to be in Mankato. And thank you so much for the snow. Uh, we... Uh, we left uh, Indianapolis. It was about 80 degrees, Brother Lear. I had short sleeves on. It was tremendous. And uh, as we got closer to Mankato, we went through all the states and got here. You had snow. It was awesome. And uh, we, we do love this church, love so much the influence of, of course, uh, Brother and Sister Lear, their, their work in the district and for the kingdom of God, and uh, the, the shoulders of giants that we're standing on. And we appreciate you very much. And of course, your wonderful pastor and his sweet wife, the Coxes, we love them very much as well. They're great friends, and I uh, appreciate them. I, I, wanna, I would love to work them and abuse them more, and we'll see what the Lord will let us do and what they agree to. And I appreciate you all very much. How many of you love your pastor and his wife and family? Amen. And you, you'll have to forgive me, but just to stand in this building, I know you guys are probably used to it, but man, I pulled, we were pulling up. I was like, this is awesome. And uh, so I'm very, very happy to see what the Lord is doing and, and what good people that are consistent under the vision that God gives leadership can accomplish over time is just astonishing. So uh, thank you for your hard work and support and giving to the kingdom of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something a little different, I promise. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best to, uh, Brother David, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build things over time. I'm going to, I'm going to be theological. But if you allow me tonight, I'm going to do something very, very practical. Something I wish somebody, uh, Brother Lear, had done for me when I was much younger. And I want to I wanna talk about, if I titled this, I would title it something like this, How to Read the Bible Faithfully. And so um, when, when we talk about the Bible, this is what I, I, I want to kind of do. Uh, the, the Bible is not just words, but it's God's words at your fingertips. And so that's kind of what I, I want to uh, build on. And, and if that's true, then you must know what the Bible says. And, and if, you, if you understand the importance of truth that Brother Andrew was just, Brother Herbst was just preaching and teaching about a little motivation in there, a little sneak of preaching that, but it was explanatory too, so it was teaching. And, and when you see the implications of truth, uh, you got to understand that the Bible is God's word and God's revelation for all of life. And uh, Brother TJ, I know you're pinching the baby back there, but, uh, but if you love the Word of God, uh, you know. How many of you know how powerful? I'm so sorry. Did I do that? I apologize. <laughs> At least I haven't chastised the pastor in public. <laughs> I'm just so sorry. Uh, so when you understand that the Bible is God's revelation for all of life, you can be smarter than what you can come up with on your own. You can live your life with direction from the person who created the, the, the being, Brother Herbst, that created all of existence that knows the ins and outs of every aspect of life. You can have his revelation to guide your steps. 
So I'm, I'm not so much in you just uh, w- wanting to help you feel powerful. I want you to be empowered tonight. Or to say it another way, I, 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 God doesn't want you to just fee- feel powerful. He wants you to be empowered to walk in spirit and truth together. So God has given and expects us to know, by the way, all of Scripture. Turn to your neighbor, poke him in the shoulder, say all. All right, so here's what I want to do tonight. I want to get really practical. Knowing how to study the Bible should inform your devotional reading. And I know for some of you, a lot of this will be old hat. If you'll forgive me for that tonight, I do want to do something that I think will help us. Let me give you two common sense tips. Common sense tip number one. If you're a new Christian, I got a great tip for you. Just start reading. And, and as you start reading through the Bible, as you just start reading, then as you, I promise you, as you start listening to teaching and preaching at the church, it's going to become more alive. And all of a sudden, what you've already been, you're like, well, I don't understand that much, Brother Kilman. That's okay. Keep reading. And when you get in services somewhere, all of a sudden things that you're reading are going to start coming back to your mind and the Lord is going to start connecting things. And if you'll do that discipline at home instead of just at church, I promise you, uh, start reading is the common sense tip I could give you, number one. Common sense tip number two is it's not a marathon. So now, so what does that mean? How do I get into the Bible in a deep way? And for some people, Brother Cox, it's like all or everything. I'm reading the Bible 20 times this year, you know. And, and, and don't do that. Give yourself a, a permission to, to just start where you're at and then start a discipline of Bible reading. It's better for you to start with a chapter a night than nothing. So don't say, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read through the Bible. I'm going to read through the first five books of the Bible in a month. And then you're going to hit like numbers and you're going to want to kill yourself or something. (laughs) Of course, that's a joke. Forgive me for that. So let me give you four practical tips that we're going to talk through tonight. Number one, observation. And that's what the scriptures say. And then number two, we're going to talk about interpretation which is what does Scripture mean? And then thirdly, we're going to talk about correlation. What does Scripture say elsewhere? And then for all you type A's, I'm going to repeat these, okay? And then number four, application. What does Scripture mean to me personally? All right, we're going to walk through those in a deep way tonight, if the Lord will help us. Number one, observation. What does Scripture say? Number two, interpretation. What does Scripture mean? Thirdly, correlation. What does Scripture say, Sister Herb's elsewhere, about the same topic, right? And then fourth, application. What does Scripture mean to me personally? So let's talk about the first tip, uh, number one. What does Scripture say? Let me give you uh, how to engage with that first thing. Uh, When you start talking about observation, the first thing I would say is you have to start with observation. Uh, Why make that? redundant little kind of obvious uh, statement. Uh, Brother David, because we want the meaning so bad of Scripture that we rush to application. And so, uh, that, and I'm going to help you. We usually get it wrong when we do that. Uh, I'll give you a principle. You can never have a better interpretation than your observation of what the Bible is saying. Okay, so accuracy of observation is tied to carefulness of observation. 
So let me give you uh, what one great theologian, Sherlock Holmes, said. He says, Watson, you see, but you do not observe. And see, that's the problem that you run into if you're just trying to rush through to get the application. Speak something to me, Jesus. He's probably, probably you just need to observe the text first and see what it's actually saying before you rush to that uh, application. If you don't observe, let me give you an illustration. If you don't learn to observe, you, you get yourself in trouble in life. There was a, a great professor of medicine. His name was Sir William Osler. And he has this uh, great illustration. So uh, he, there was lots of uh, students that wanted to stund, study under him, study mes, medicine under him because he was tremendous. And, and so what he did is um, he said, uh, you, can, you can understand a lot just by observing people, the pallor of their skin, whether or not their eyes are clear. Are they are looking at their fingernails. You can tell, what is that? Vitamin deficiencies of some kind and all sorts of other things. Some of you in, uh, uh, that are in the healthcare, you could probably tell that better than I could. And so he began to teach and he, he's trying to convince these young doctors uh, of the importance of observation. So he holds up a beaker and he has a beaker of urine. And Brother David, he says, you can tell a lot by just what the, the patient's urine looks like. And he says, you can see things. And he says, so he says, you can tell, Brother Herbst. He says, even by the taste. I know some of you are like, I rebuke that. <laughs> Me too. And so he says, here's what I want you to do. He's holding the beaker. He says, I want you to observe what I do and then repeat it. He says, so if you, if you can taste the urine... And then he passed the beaker around. He said, observe what I did and repeat. And so he passes it around the room, Brother Cox. And so when they get to the end, he said, now if you had been careful in your observation, you would have seen that I dipped with my index finger and licked my middle finger. <laughs> and see, you're going to get yourself in trouble if you don't observe carefully in life, and, and the same is true of Scripture. We see it, but we don't observe. So uh, I, I'm going I'm to help you. I'll give you a great little statement that if you're taking notes, I think you ought to write down. Isolated verses lead to error. Especially portions of verses. And I wish we had time to do a bunch tonight. But Brother Lear, the Bible says, let him that steal, steal. No more working with his hands. Of course, that's not all the Bible says, Brother TJ. Let him that still steal no more. Let, working with his hands, let him labor. So isolated verses or portions of verses or portions of verses quoted out of context. You ready? So the first point of observation is this. What is said? I know. You ready? So observe, read, think, chew on it. You should read it and observe it and kind of live with it so much that you think, man, it's like I, I've lived there, John, uh, Brother Brown, because I have. I've been living there, kind of uh, uh, observing what's going. The second part of observation is what is emphasized. So the volume of things is interesting in Scripture. Like uh, one little point would be that, that in the creation account, Brother Herbst, uh, God spends more time talking about the creation of humanity than all the rest of creation behind. That's on purpose. That when you start thinking about uh, that Genesis 12 through 27 is dedicated to the life of just one man. 
And you better know why Abraham is so important. Are you ready? Things that are repeated, not just volume, repeated. Like in John, seven times, Jesus says, these things have I spoken unto you. And he's lifting up something, or, or Saul, Saul, the repetition, or, or verily, verily, veritas, truly, truly, amen, amen, I say unto you. Or related questions, like where questions are answer, asked in uh, Scripture, and then answers given. Uh, observe when Scripture talks about, brother, less God's part, and then my part. How many of you want God's part to be in your life? Then you better get your part right. Right? Things like that. The fact that there's blessing and cursing, that there's warnings and failure, and, and you're ready, there's obedience, there's sin and consequences, there's faith and fulfillment. See how those things are related in Scripture. Uh, and and I'll, I'll, I'll resist that. I'll give you one more. Things contrasted, life in the Spirit versus life in the flesh. The wise versus the foolish in Proverbs. All of those things, you ready? You can start to observe in Scripture and get into Scripture a deep way, in a deep way. The second part is interpretation. What does Scripture mean? Well, first of all, I just want to remind you that you don't need a special person like me coming all the way from Indianapolis to give you the interpretation of Scripture. You can read and interpret the Bible yourself. Why? Because there's, turn to your neighbor, say one. Say we're oneness. We also believe there's only one meaning in the text. Okay, what does that mean? Uh, you ready? A text can never mean, Brother TJ, what it's never meant. Okay, all right. I'm going to, this is Kilman, K-I-L-L-M-O-N. Don't put Brother Cox on the hook for this one. Quote me. Have you ever been reading something and somebody like, you're like, wow, that was, I don't know where they got that from. I've never seen that before. Okay, I'll, I'll say it another way. <laughs> How many say, I got a new revelation? One of my re replies is, I have an old one. Okay, I'll be. Well, Lear, I'm, I'm a bit bad. Bobby's coming out already. Day one, night, night one. And so what that means is, is the job of the interpreter is to understand the meaning God inspired the original writer to speak. So here's what it's not. I'll give you what it's not. It's not my subjective thought that I've read into the Bible. How many of you are a human being? Then you got to guard against that. It's not always what I've been told. You ready? It's not what I feel. And it's not what I'd like the text to say. It's what the text actually says itself. So let me give you what I'm going to call some barriers to correct interpretation. The first, the first one is language barrier. You have to know that the Bible was written originally in, in Hebrew, which you're starting, hallelujah, Brother Herbst, and Greek, and, and portions of it in Aramaic. And so uh, you need the original intention, and the Hebrew and Greek is, is kind of hard to get, get at. How many of you are like, well, I'm not doing that, Brother Kimmel? So what you need is a, a translation. This is off the editorial page. I'll give you two reasons why uh, to, that you need to stay close maybe to a good King James or uh, they have like a brother uh, Cox, a K-J-B-E-R, which is a uh, updated of the language, at least gives you the interpretation of some of those um, old English words in the, in the footnotes. 
The reason being is, like in John 3, Jesus says, marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. And so what he's saying, and you probably heard me say this before, but it's, uh, it's a direct reflection of the Hebrew and the Greek, of the singular and the plural, brother John. And so when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he says, marvel not that I say unto thee. Now, if you read that in any other translation, it loses the singular and the plural because it's like, marvel not that I say unto you. You don't know if I mean you. Or you, right? And so the plural and the singular is beautiful because he's talking to Nicodemus as a teacher of Israel, and he says, marvel not that I say unto thee. And so in 1611, Brother TJ, they went about 100 years earlier and picked up that really, really old thing. So when the, when the King James came out, it was already old, and we're worried about it being archaic today. And so it was, it was already old, but the reason they did that is because they wanted to give you, as the reader, the closest thing to the original Greek and Hebrew they could. So when he says, marvel not, Brother John, that I say unto thee, that's singular, ye, plural, everybody in the world must be born again. So what he just said, Brother Herbst, is you as a teacher of Israel need to know, Nicodemus, the universality that everyone has to be born again in order to be saved, Brother Cox. And that's beautifully reflected in the Greek. It's beautifully preserved in the Scripture. And the way you get at it best is uh, a translation that's going to give you the closest you can to the Hebrew and Greek. I'll give you one more. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. They pick up uh, an Old Testament uh, quotation that that was of the one God of Israel, Brother Les. And he says, but unto the Son he saith, and then he quotes this psalm that's, that's tied to the one God of the uh, Old Testament. And he says, thy throne, O God. And thy is singular, not your, because again, your can mean your or your. He's saying thy, why? Because it's singular. And he just called the son in Hebrews 1, the one God of the Old Testament. Now, that is a beautiful preservation. So when you have a language barrier, you have to be careful to make sure that you have something that's going to literally give you the words of God in the closest approximation to the original language there is. And, and I'll let Brother Cox speak to that more. There's cult- the cultural barrier. Greet the brethren with a holy kiss. I ain't doing it, Brother Cox. I love you, but... What does that mean? Again, it's like manners and customs in the Bible or the contextual barrier. Always ask, what is the setting? Who is this written to? Uh, what is the application of this? I wish we had time to deal with some examples on that. And then the literary, literary, literature barrier, forgive me, the type of genre, the type of writing. Am I reading narrative? Am I reading a theological epistle? Am I reading a parable? And again, each one of those have to be, uh, uh, you ready, poetic expression. Like, uh, for instance, like when atheists make fun of the Bible for like inconsistencies where it says, you know, you're reading uh, Deborah's account and, and, and the king comes through and, and, she, and, and J.L. gives him some milk to drink. And what does she do to the Sisera? She nails him right through the head with a tin spike, right? Kills him dead. And so, and so when you read the song of Deborah and the deliverance from this evil, evil military leader and force that's coming in, it says, he fell, he fell, he fell, and he died. And then the atheist, brother TJ, like, ha, 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 did he get nailed to the floor or did he fall and die? Ha, 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 terrible inconsistency. It's like, do you know anything about literature? 
Because the song of Deborah is poetic expression. And it lends itself to poetic language and imagery. Like we say, how many fell in battle? We don't mean how many need marching lessons and tripped and fall on their face. We mean how many died. Why? Because language lends itself to poetic expression. So if my mama said something like this, son, I will smack the taste out of your mouth. When that Tennessee woman starts talking to me, you know, as a young man, I understood. She didn't say, I'm going to hit you so hard. The taste buds are going to fly out of your mouth. She's saying, I'm, uh, well, she would say, I'm going to wring your jaws. I don't even know what that one means, but I knew what it meant. <laughs> so uh, my mom's actually a nice person. Don't please don't. I'm sorry, mom, if you ever see a recording. Okay. Uh, so Sister Cox, she's actually a wonderful person. But you ready? Language lends itself to that. And you have to say, is that meant to be interpreted literally? If it's narrative, yes. If it's poetry, let poetry be poetry. Okay, I'll behave. Hallelujah. All right, so, uh, yeah, okay, well, I'll, I'll try to hurry up. So here's some things to guard uh, uh, against while interpreting. Number one, reading into the text what it doesn't say. There's a great Greek word for that. Um, Brother TJ, it's called hogwash. That's right. Number two, remember that knowledge puffeth up. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians, and remember, it's humility that disarms. And as you study, now let me help you, okay? As you study and you begin to teach Bible studies and reach people, you know, you can almost come across this, with this attitude, why don't they worship me for what I know? It's very simple, because you're a jerk. So when you teach with this and you know, you ready, that you're under the Bible's authority yourself, when it rebukes, it rebukes me as well. When it challenges, it challenges me as well. Like, like G.A. Mangan said it's to his son, Brother Cox, Anthony Mangan, he said, son, I don't want to ever hear you get in the pulpit again and preach on hell without tears in your eyes. Because again, it's humility that disarms, and you got to be careful as you begin to know more, you can become uh, a little jerk. Hallelujah. Poke to your neighbor and say, don't be a jerk. No, I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. All right, number three. I'll give you another little thing on interpretation. Study without prayer is incomplete study. You need to say something like this. Lord, help me to understand. Lord, guide me in what I'm trying to learn. And then lastly on that point, uh, God doesn't reveal his truth to the hurried soul. It takes time. In our microwave culture, if we're not careful, we'll just keep rushing to wrong conclusions. Okay, so take your time and know that it's the Word of God and spend the time it takes, all right? Thirdly, now we're doing good, right? Thirdly, correlation. What does Scripture say elsewhere? So it's like, uh, it's like having one piece of a jigsaw puzzle. If you take that one piece, you don't get the picture. But you ready? If you compare it with the same thing that the Bible says in other places, all of a sudden the, the, the picture becomes complete and you can see what it is. That's what we also call systematic theology. Okay, so what does all of Scripture say on the same subject? So that means you need to use Scripture to interpret Scripture. I actually had a good friend, Brother Herbs, Brother Tom Dibble, that's doing some work, and he was at a place, and one of the instructors says, you can't use Scripture to interpret Scripture. It's like, don't you believe in one Arthur called God? 
Hallelujah. And I don't think they do, Brother Hertz. They believe it's literary or something, or they picked up some liberal pieces. But again, the big picture uh, guides the small pieces. And what that does, now I'm going to help you. Uh, when you get that big piece, I'm going to give you a, a little word to write down. It's called inerrancy. I-N-E-R-R-A-N-C-Y. The Bible is without error. And that means we believe that God watched over the revealing, the recording, and the preservation of his word. Brother, Brother Lear, to the point where Jesus says he can make an argument to the tense of a verb. Paul can make an argument to whether it's plural or singular. And they said the Old Testament was preserved till their time to that tense. That's how much we believe that God uh, watches over his word. How many of you believe that? Okay, so you ready? If you know that, that protects us and creates discernment. So what do you mean by discernment? You know what the antidote to false teaching is? By the way, we have a word for that. It's called heresy. What is the, and by the way, that word has fallen out of use. You're right, Brother Herbst. We had a great conversation on that. The, the antidote to false teaching, I, I promise you it's this. It's knowing the word of God. You ready? You want the antidote to a specific false teaching? It's knowing all of the word of God on that subject. How many of you would like to know more about prayer? How many of you have ever been confused? Or maybe, uh, uh, oh, I shouldn't have asked it that way. Uh, is there a safer subject? I don't know what to do. Okay, hallelujah. <laughs> Brother Lear, I mean, like, have you ever, like, somebody said something and you're like, I just don't know about that. If you want to know whether or not what you're hearing is right, it's very simple. Get you a concordance. Look at all of the passages that say prayer. And then spend the summer maybe just reading every verse that the Bible talks about prayer. Going slow. Observe. And then, and then once you observe, uh, Brother Cox, you can interpret. And then you can make sure that, you ready? I'm not being led down a false path because comparing what the Bible says in every place enlarges your understanding of truth. So I'll give you one verse. How many of you believe the Bible? I'm going to do a terrible thing tonight. I'm going to give you a bad illustration. Sister Cox, you have a Bible there. You want to read for me tonight? Matthew 21, 21 and 22. Now, I'm going, to put, I'm going to role play some of the most terrible things that we have in our culture right now around prayer. So, Matthew 21, 21, and 22. How many believe the Bible's... Now, I'm already... Now, hand in pocket is heresy, okay? Don't quote me on social media if my hand's in my pocket tonight, okay? That's me role playing. Then I'm going to pull it out and I'll explain, okay? All right, so uh, what does that mean? What does that mean? So, uh, uh, Matthew 21, verse 21 and 22. <clears throat> Jesus answered and whoa, said... Whoa, 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 now we're going to do kind of preach style, right? All right, so, uh, so Jesus, how many, believe in the, how many of you believe Jesus? Uh-huh, okay. Said unto them... Said unto them... Verily I say unto you... Verily, truly... If you have faith and doubt not... If you, you have faith and doubt not... You shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree... Yes. But also if you shall say unto this mountain... If you say to the be mountain... Thou removed and be thou removed... Be thou cast into the sea... And cast into the sea... It shall be done. It didn't say it might be done. It didn't say it perhaps will be done. It shall. Turn to your neighbor and say it shall. Yeah. Speak it, speak it, speak it. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer. Whatsoever. Now, now, are you sure you're reading the words of Jesus? Yes. Okay. Whatsoever. Turn to your neighbor and say whatsoever. Whatsoever. 
Yeah? Believing ye shall receive. You shall receive. You ready? If you don't doubt, and you see the problem is, Brother TJ, we just got a doubt problem. Jesus said, whatsoever you ask. Turn to your neighbor and say, ask big. How many of you heard some preaching like that? Okay, it's this naming and claim it, blab it and grab it kind of stuff, Brother Hoxham. And you ready? In his name, of course. In his name, Brother David, means under the authority of Jesus. And so that's, that's something in the text that's usually overlooked. But you don't even have to know what that theological phrase means. All you have to do is compare that interpretation of that verse and seeing if you're getting it right with the rest of Scripture. So let me read some other passages. James 4, 2, and 3 says, You lust and you have not. You kill when you desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not. Why? Because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss. To, that you might consume it upon your own lust. That means Jesus is saying, you ready? Or uh, Jesus is saying the same thing that James is saying. And the only way to interpret Jesus right is to make sure you go by James. All right, I'll give you another one. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Ooh. You mean God's not going to give me sinful stuff that I want? He's not that kind of God. All right, I'll give you one more. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Now see, there's the antidote to false teaching, knowing the word of God. The antidote to specific false teaching is knowing all of the word of God on a subject. And when people start preaching wrong definitions of prayer and faith like that, if you just had more faith, you could say whatever you want, then God bless us all with Lamborghinis when we leave out there. Okay, hallelujah. And again, uh, you rarely need more than the Bible to understand truth. Why? Because the Bible is the only perfectly correlated book in the world. What? Because there's only one author. All right, now I'll, I'll do this quick. <clears throat> what are some good correlation tools? Well, first of all, number one, you need uh, what I'm going to call uh, the best Bible, which I would still argue is the King James, uh, because of the accuracy and the preservation of the Greek and Hebrew. Number two, you need, I would say you need a good study Bible. And there are two, actually three. There's one produced many years ago, Brother Cox, by a PFW pastor. That's actually a, a, a tremendous work back when they were solid. But there are two apostolic study Bibles. I own them both, and they're, they're both tremendous study Bibles. The apostolic study Bible and the premier study Bible. And then third, you need a concordance. And the reason why is it lists every word that's used in Scripture. And if you want to do a study on any particular subject, you can go and look at that and look at all of those verses and, and get a tremendous way forward. Number four, you need a good, I would say, a good Bible dictionary, which will give you the history and the background of uh, uh, of the, uh, the particular book and, and time period that you're studying. And then lastly, number five, commentaries. And that's later, that's after studying the text. And you're like, well, Brother Kilton, that sounds like a hard work. That's true, but down is always easier than up. Now, what is the benefits of correlating? I'll give you four, and then I got a little note here that says hurry. <laughs> I know. 
It's like my wife wrote it. Or no, it's not true, brother. Don't tell on me, Sister Lear. Don't tell on me. All right, number one. Here's the benefits of correlating. Number one, it will create a clear discernment in you instead of vague opinions. You will know what the Bible says on that subject. All right, number two, as your knowledge broadens, your understanding will deepen. Number three, as a result, you'll have what, you ready? You'll have a true faith. And then lastly, number four, you'll be able to separate truth from error very quickly. It'll be very hard to lead you astray. All right, the last one, application. And here's, here's the thing about application. Application is something like this. What does Scripture mean to me personally? Now, I'm going to help you tonight. You'll be saved by, you're not going to be saved by what you know. You're going to be saved by what you obey. So we're not done. Now, I'm glad. We, Brother Herbs, you and I love the text, and we can just study the details and be like, love it. But one of the big, big jobs, if you're a teacher or if you're a preacher, is you got to get into application of the text because we need to know how to live in light of this truth. And so they were rejected, Brother Cox, not because they didn't receive a knowledge of the truth, but because they didn't receive a love of the truth. And, and if you love it, you'll obey it. So let me help you with that. In application, it's, it, you're looking for conviction, direction, correction, encouragement. You ready? Spell out how these things apply to me. It's about what we're going to do, what we're going to do with what we discovered about the things that God cares about. See, understanding application is easy. It just means this. I need to take God's word personally. So uh, there, there was one man, his name's Jordan uh, Peterson. Uh, he's cra- it's a little bit wild for me, Andrew. He says, I come to believe in some things. He says, uh, I didn't come to believe in God because I saw God. I came to believe in God in some way because I saw the devil. You ready? And he said, I saw the devil in me. Uh, to quote one man, he said, I've, I've seen, uh, well, hallelujah. So here, you ready? Don't always see yourself as the hero. You're capable of wrong. He says it much stronger. Jordan Peterson says every one of us is capable of genuine evil. And you have to say, Lord, show me my heart. You ready? What do you plan to do with what you've learned about the text? So let me give you some truths about, I'll give you three truths about application. Number one, we are what we do, not what we say. That's James. The book of James. Number two, take truth in, apply it personally, and then live it out. And thirdly, only in applying the truth as we understand it correctly can we know how to live in the Spirit. So, so what does that mean? Brother Herbst, it means something like this. Without application, truth becomes just information. And that can be idolatrous. You ready? Thinking replaces repentance. And emotion substitutes for real obedience. I'm glad you're weeping at an altar, but I want you to go out and live empowered. Okay, so here's a self-examination. 
You ready? It's, this is things that I check when I'm reading the Bible. What part of my life is a cover-up? What part of my life is hypocritical? Is there a lack of genuineness? Lord, help me to probe, discern, and expose what's genuine in my own heart. And by the way, the Bible says this book is like a mirror, Brother Lear. Only by looking in it can I see myself. Who know, you don't know your heart. I don't know my heart. The Lord has to reveal to me that. And most of the time, it's through the preaching or the teaching of the Word or in my personal study time where the Lord just knocks me flat and says, I want to take you up to a higher level. So ask things of, of Scripture like this prayerfully. In life, you know, I need to search and acknowledge. Is there anything I need to change? And I'll give you like seven little things to think about. Number one, are there any secrets I'm hiding? Number two, are there any wrongs I'm embracing? Number three, are there any habits that I'm forming that are hurting me? Number four, are there any attitudes I need to change? Uh, brother, brother Herbst, number five, are there, any, are there any motives that I'm denying? Where I'm not going to change anything I'm due, I'm just going to do it for the right reasons. Number six, is there any promises I'm not embracing from the Lord? And number seven, are there any commands I need to obey? What you're saying is, God, show me what you see about me. Now, here's my conclusion tonight. The, the, God gave us His Word to change our lives, to show us how to walk in the power of the Spirit. And I promise you, if you'll do these four little things, if you'll put those in your life and begin to work them, there is a reward. If you say, I'm going to determine to apply the study of Scripture to my life, you ready? You will not be the same, but I promise you, you'll grow every year you do this. Now, I want to help you. It's not enough just to come. Do you have one midweek or do you have two things? One midweek and two services on Sunday. Thank God. I'm sorry for that, <clears throat> but thank God. You, you, if you, how many of you, if you think you, you would hurt, be hurting if you only ate three times a week? So you, number one, you need to start your own study of Scripture. Because if you're only eating here, you're not getting enough food. You ready? So number one, start your own study of Scripture. And number two, stay at it all your life. So I, I, I'll get, I'll, I'm going to close. And I don't want to be negative. But I want to tell you one of my, the greatest heartbreaks, Brother TJ, of, of ministry. You see people come to God in faith. And, and it's wonderful. And, and I know you have some wonderful people that have just prayed through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost in just these past uh, little bit. And God, thank God for revival. But Brother Lear, there are people that come into the church and you see them years later and they're still walking in the flesh. They're still seeking their own way. They're still selfish. Why? Because they have never started applying the truth of God's word to their life. So how many of you want to grow? Then start now and stay at it. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. 
Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.